This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome back to the Cooler Jets podcast. For us, Victory ben Monday! And Michael Nania. Finally, Victory Monday podcast. We are recording this a little late Monday morning. Had some stuff pop yes, up sir. last night. But we did get a chance to watch the All-22, so maybe this game recap will be a little bit more in-depth. Michael, the no Jets... Zero. Finally win a game after three straight losses. And for the first time this season, they win a game without a catastrophe. Well, we'll see about AVT's injury. We haven't gotten word on that yet. But uh, they tried their best to lose it. It certainly wasn't pretty. A lot of ugly moments in that. But overall, a win is a win, especially on the road. And plenty of good stuff to talk about. So, Michael, I get I get you're feeling great. This is the most energy I've seen from you in three years. So how are you feeling after the Jets finally steal another win? I'm feeling good. That was a fun game. And I, I think before we get into the game, I want to talk a little bit about my the mindset uniforms. watching this game because now we'll get to the uniforms. Before this, <laughs> I started asking you about the Titans powder blue socks. All right, get to, skip for to, another day. Get, to the, get to the meat. Get to the point. Um, yeah. But no, like watching this game, like I feel like I'm kind of maturing as a fan watching games. Proud of you. Where it's like. I'm not getting as down with the low moments, but I'm still enjoying the high moments. Like first, I'm not, half, I'm not was, buying that for a second. It was, it was ugly. Like there was. I saw your tweets. The tweets don't reflect my emotions, though. Like let's put that <laughs> out there. I'll, I'll put some critical tweets out there. That that's in my mind, but the emotions on the exterior. Like I, I was chill. I was calm. I was watching with my brother, and he was like panicking. Like this is awful. This is the worst defense. What are we doing? And I'm like chill out. There's plenty of time left in this game. <laughs> <laughs> and the Jets come through and win. But I don't know. I mean, you and I have both talked about this. You talked about there was a game. Remind me which one it was. But there was a game where you said Jets you, had, you had some sort of reaction. I'm not going to say it unless you are okay. No, I could say it. Jets bang. You told on the podcast. Jets yeah. Bengals 2019. That was my breaking point. I, I threw a apple, yeah. threw a broke a mirror in my was. kitchen. <laughs> yeah. So on accident. Our, on our moments. Rodgers getting hurt this year at a game you and I were both at, watching that in the end zone right in front of us. So we've kind of developed a little bit and i'm at the point where i'm like i'm, I'm just gonna watch these games and see how they pan out but when they lose next week i'm gonna come on here and be yeah, all I, this is all bullshit my, i don't know what you're talking my about. usual mopey attitude but i've been i'm trying to get better and just I've enjoy been, the highs and not get too low it's kind of the opposite for me because i've been very stoic all season through rogers injury through a blowout loss through blowing a stupid game to the patriots by the way worst team in football i can't believe the jets lost that game but I'm glad they're terrible um, through last week, which was overall a good game, even though the Jets lost, but you know, penalties and whatever. I've kept my cool. I've been a, a normal, rational football fan this week, expecting the same thing, but there was a feeling that the Jets season was on the line a little bit here because they lose this game. You fall to one and four, another AFC loss, a, a loss to a team you're better than. You got the Eagles on deck. It's just hard to see the Jets fighting through and making the playoffs. So there was a lot of pressure on this game. But again, I kept my cool all the way through up until the end of that first half where they – and I knew it was going to happen. As soon as they burned that timeout with 19 seconds, I was like, oh, no, don't burn it there. Like, let's just get up to the line, spike it. Then you have that in your back pocket. I, looking back at it, it's like, okay, I guess you had to call the timeout. It was a scramble. But then the fact that – and we can go into this, I guess, now a little bit. There's all, all good to talk about, but let's just start with the negative. But the fact that – that's as Matt Ryan was calling it. That's an ozone play. That's going to the end zone. And that's going out of bounds. And instead, he throws to Uzama, gets tackled in bounds. They're lackadaisical getting to the line. They don't get the spike off. And that's the first time all season I lost my shit. In fact, I'm limping a little bit today. I'm on the IR right now because I stomped as hard as I could barefoot and I giant bruise in the bottom of my foot. But all season I've been stoic, but that broke. I just was losing my shit at that because it just felt like that those three points are going to come back to haunt them. They're going to lose this game. That was so Jets. This was Nathan this coaching staff made fun of Nathaniel Hackett for being one of the worst coaches ever. He had how many bad boneheaded clock management situations last year. And then they go into Denver and they do one of the worst I've ever seen. I mean, I just I couldn't handle it. But then luckily they came back out of the first half the second half, got the stop, gave the, the, the ball to Brees Hall, who's the MVP from this game, picking up right where he left off. He's finally off the snap count. 
looks like his old self. What a game from, from Breeze Hall. Um, I don't know where you want to start with this. We started with our, our emotions watching the Jets game. Uh, let's get into the actual football stuff. We always start with Zach Wilson, and there's a lot to break down yeah. there from a, a solid performance. We could I mean, go. I mean, I first. guess we get before we get into that, like we can kind of sum up like overall kind of takeaways of like also, what the way, you this like the game shirt? means. You like the shirt for people watching on video? You like the little yeah. retro logo? Any '80s logo merch? Any '80s logo back. merch you can you can get is a plus. Using video for sure. Um, right now I'm not rocking any '80s merch, but I no. I got a, I got one recently that I'm proud of. But uh, but yeah, I think overall. Like watching the first half of this game, it was rough. I mean, and it's interesting watching the reactions of fans on Twitter, especially because especially like, you, the, especially me, which probably encapsulates a lot of it. But it's it's like the world is ending, even though the team is down by what was the halftime score? They were down by like five, but whatever it yeah. was, it was a close score. And like everyone's ready to fire everyone's team will never adjust. This defense is overrated. Hackett has no idea what he's doing. And then the second half comes out, you win the game. Woo, now everyone's all happy-go-lucky. So it's it's funny to watch those highs and lows. And maybe I should try to stop tweeting during games because, like, I pride myself <laughs> on analyzing things closely. and like having You only tweet when things evidence. are going bad. That, that is the thing. like Because, like, I didn't even say anything about, like, the, the good stuff at the end <laughs> yeah. because I'm I'm too busy, like, celebrating and going crazy watching with the people I'm watching with. Same with the Chiefs game like, last Let's week. Let's go. But, that, but I feel like I'm more nuanced about the negatives during the game. So, like, I feel like this isn't working. Here's something they can do better. But, uh, but yeah, I think maybe I could do less of that, less tweeting during games because it's also reactionary and there's, like, four quarters to be played. Let's let it play out first and then judge it. But uh, regardless, yeah, I think – You're not changing. First, we'll right I'm not going to change. Week. Not gonna change. <laughs> we'll, we'll be right back next week. But, but, no, first half, I think it's fair to say it was underwhelming. There were some areas where they weren't prepared, especially defensively. Um, and, you know, against this Broncos defense, it has been really bad. It did take the Jets longer to get going than I thought that it would take them, and that would be ideal against this caliber defense. But at the end of the day, playing on the road, you had to have this win. They adjusted on both sides of the ball, and they did what they needed to do to win the game. It wasn't pretty. There were a lot of areas they could have executed better, especially considering the opponent they're facing. But regardless, they came through, and they did what they had to do to win. So going forward – Yes, they are going to have to be better to beat the Eagles next week and to beat some of the other teams on their schedule. But I really like the way that they, look, despite the start not being ideal, adjusted at halftime and made the changes they need to make to come through and win this game in the second half. Yeah, I think a lot of credit should go to the coaching staff, the, the defensive coaching staff for the in-game adjustments they've made. Really, the last two years they've been like this. I mean, Samini had that stat. I think it was broken in this game, but they had gone seven straight games going back to last year without allowing a second half. Touchdown. Was that you or is that Samini? I didn't. I, that, I yeah, that can't Samini. take credit okay. for that one. That was Samini. Um, seven straight games without allowing a second-half touchdown, and that's on coaching. That's on getting in the game, seeing what the, the offense is trying to do and making those adjustments. And Quincy Williams said this after the game that they just got back to the fundamentals a little bit, and that seems to be kind of the common through line as they come out in games, and I guess things get a little too complicated. The thing that I noticed watching this game was that – it was a lot of what killed them in 2021 when the defense was so bad. It was like draws, traps, screens, just things that take a, a advantage of an over-aggressive wide nine front. And the Jets made their, their adjustments. I mean, they put a, a QB runs. So next week against the Eagles is going to be fun. Um, yeah. The Jets made their adjustments. They put a spy on Russell Wilson. They played a little bit more man coverage. They, they you know, as Quincy Williams said, they got back to a little bit more of the fundamentals of their defense. And they made some personnel adjustments as well that you noted. I mean, Bryce Huff playing a lot more. I mean, yeah. I don't, we say it every week, but they got to extend Bryce Huff. It's pretty crazy that we had him on the podcast three years ago, like before he even played a snap for the Jets. And now I would argue yeah. he's definitely a top 10 player on this team. He, he's he's an impact player. I mean, I don't want to say he's top five yet because the Jets actually have a lot of talent for once in my life. But he's a, he's a, he's a game wrecker. And he's a guy who's proving he can yeah. be a starter. The thing is, like, they drafted Jermaine Johnson. They drafted Will McDonald. They extended JFM. They have all these contracts, but I think they have to find a way to, to bring him back. I mean, Lawson's going to walk next year. That's a conversation for a different day. But the point is, is that they have to keep Bryce Huff around because he's, he's a true game wrecker, especially when they're playing with the lead, which they haven't done at all this season up until this game, which is, I think, how the Jets kind of saw this season going is they have Rodgers. They're going to be playing with the lead a lot, and they can unleash these, these pass rushers. Finally, we got to see a little bit in this game. 
and you see just how dominant this, this defensive line can be. I don't think it was their best game, but in that two-minute situation, you saw that when they got to just pin the ears back and get after the passer, I mean, Will McDonald had that awesome spin move to free up Quincy Williams, who's playing at an all-pro level right now. This defense, you know, they're – how would you how, how do you feel about them this year? Like, I mean, they they allow some yards, they they get off to slow starts, but they're so damn good in the red zone. So damn good in the red zone. They create turnover turnovers, they get sacks. I mean, they make some big explosive plays. They don't allow the offense to create explosive plays, but they're frustrating because they, they haven't been amazing on third down. The pass rush at times, especially early in games, hasn't been there. They allow a lot of yards. But when push comes to shove in the second half, they make those adjustments and they're dominant. So how do you kind of feel about how this defense has performed through five weeks? I think it's a tale of two halves, really. I mean, going through the first four games, that was the case. And it continued in this game because you look at it now and they've given up only one second half touchdown the whole season. And first half has been a completely different story. They were in double digit holes the first four games. And then in this game, obviously the defense was, Getting moved on a lot, but luckily they held up in the red zone twice, which is that's been a huge thing for limiting the damage in some of these first halves because they've been so good at holding up with their backs against the walls, uh, with their backs against the wall. But yeah, they just have to find ways to come out of the gates faster. The the talent is the same as it was last year, last year if not better, because they're unleashing Bryce Huffmore. Quincy Williams is taking another step. Um, Tony oh, Adams gives Tony you more Adams. upside. At safety, although you know he did struggle in this game, which we'll talk about, and and has had an up and down start of the season, but the talent is the same, if not better, and we see that in the second half. But first halves do have to be better, and they were able to get away with it in this game. But against the Eagles, against the Chargers, when you play the Bills and the Dolphins again, it's going to be harder to come out of those slow starts of the game. So I would like to see them come out faster because there were some adjustments they made in the second half of this game that. You know, credit for making the adjustments, but I also wonder why they didn't start the game playing that way. Like, for example, we know Russell Wilson was going crazy with the scrambles in the first half. It's like it's been a constant issue this year. Mahomes did it last week. Mac Jones and Prescott had scrambles on them. Um, yeah. So it was a big problem. But then second half, they come out in the first third down. They play cover one man. They have Tony Adams as a spy. They lock down and coverage with Sauce, MC2. Hall had a good game. Yeah, for DJ Reed. They won in coverage, and you leave a spy down there, and he was there to stop the Russell Wilson scramble, and they were able to get that third down stop. And then they consistently used the spy throughout the second half, and that helped a lot to shut down the scrambling aspect of Russell Wilson's game. So great adjustment, but at the same time, you wonder, you know, you struggled with that last week. You know this is part of Russell Wilson's game. Why didn't you start with that? So I think there are some things they could do to come out of the gates quicker because – and even Salah said it, like – he kind of admitted in sort of a subtle dig at Sean Payton for the play calling changes he made in the second half. He's like, they're beating us with the screens and the quarterback runs and some of the things like that. But then they went away from it in the second half. And yes, that's true. But at the same time, if you know that, why aren't you making adjustments to you know defend that better coming out? Because we all know that's the weakness in this Jets defense. It's pretty consistently the screens. It's the quarterback runs, traps, draw draws. plays, traps, anything that punishes the aggressiveness of the D-line. So I would like to see them come out better. But it was good in this game to see them get the takeaways finally. You know, some of them are gifts, you know. But at the same time, they still got them. Uh, created a lot of pressure, adjustments in the second half, great red zone defense. Uh, so it, this was a good defense. And the, the Broncos offense has been okay this year. They're 11th in scoring right now in points per game. So the defense has been the joke in Denver. That's been the most embarrassing part. But – Russell Wilson coming into this game was having a huge bounce back season when you look at his production, but uh, they made him look like last year's Russell Wilson in this, in this game. So I like the way they played, but at the same time, I still want to see better starts so they can get back to being the defense they were last year. Can we just take a moment and talk about Quincy Williams and how yes. damn good he's been? Since this day one, not... I've been telling people he's <laughs> going to be a star. Give him time. No one listened to me. No one listened. <laughs> You're a little... Well, I will say he's he's developed. He's developed in honestly in a way that I don't think I've seen the Jets develop a player. Maybe there's somebody that that's not coming to mind. But usually when the Jets have a good young player, they just come in and they're good and or they're like fine and then they become good and they become great. Quincy Williams, he had some big explosive splash plays his first year here in 2021. But as you know, I mean, he 
had a lot of misses in the run game. He would have like big explosive plays and then a lot of bad mental lapses. And 2021 yeah, was an to, up and down year. To be clear, if you don't understand my sarcasm, I was not a Quincy Williams fan in 2021. Like he was getting a lot of hype because no, he would have a really cool, really cool hit now and then. And people would think he was playing good. And I was like, well, there's actually like two me. missed tackles for every one of those. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he got cut in Jacksonville pretty early as a third round pick. And he came to New York still having some of those weaknesses just that boomer bust mentality. And he was a big part of that defense that struggled in 2021. And you could always see that potential, but I never thought he was going to develop this much. I mean, the leap he took last year, I thought he went from, you know, I'll, I'll say he was bad in 2021. I think he was, he went from that to average to above average last year. And then this year he's, he's a legit star this year, more than willing yeah. to admit that this year. Just I have a, I have a crazy hot take. Yeah. Do you want to hear it? Just maybe it's not Let's that hard it. of a take. All right. This is not, I don't want to, how do I, how do I phrase this the right way? Um, through five weeks, this is not a dig at Quentin Williams. Cause I think Quentin Williams is awesome. He's the Jets, arguably the Uh-oh. most important player on defense. Quincy Williams through five games has been better than Quentin Williams. Do you agree with that? And Quentin Williams has been great. Like that's not a dig at Quentin. That's just how good Quincy Williams has been. That's just how good big brother or Little brother, depending on how you look at it, yeah. has been this year. I mean, they're both I both top five at their position, if not top three at this point. I'm just saying, like, that's the jump that Quincy Williams is playing, where it's actually a discussion who's been better this season, Quinn or Quincy. Quinn has been awesome. Deserves all the money. I, that's I not think a you could say that. I think you could say that. I mean, Quinn's been really good in terms the stacks haven't been quite to the same level, but plays a more important position. Pressures have been there. Um, like like you said, more important position. His run defense is consistently good, just hasn't quite pop to the level he did last year but when you watch the film he's like kind of just as consistent yeah it's just the splash plays but quincy obviously does has have a ton of those splash plays so it's similar but just the fact that it is a discussion is the big win because i really think you can make the case quincy is the number one linebacker this year he's i watched fred warner last night he looked pretty damn good so maybe i'll stick to top three for now yeah he's up there i mean like he He's number one in defensive stops this year, which are, you know, total tackles is cool. You can look at that, but sometimes you get a tackle on a 50-yard run and you chase a guy out of bounds. But defensive stops, like purely tackles that are important and wins for the defense, he's number one in those. Um, his pass rushing has been, like, as a blitzer, we've seen how effective he's been in that role. And the missed tackles are way down. He's not making those mistakes anymore. You see better angles in his pursuit. You see him able to throw moves on blockers in space. Like there was one play in this game, like a two or three yard loss in the second half where he didn't make the tackle, but he pursued from the backside and he beat a guard in space, like the little rip move that you would use as a pass rusher. And he blew up the play and he forced the cutback. I think Al Woods got the the tackle credit. Um, So there's just so much more fundamentals and discipline to his game. I think you could see that he's really, learned a lot from playing next to CJ Mosley and from being coached by Salah and Ulbrich, great linebacker coaches. Uh, so the, don't forget Ruddy. Don't forget really, the really great coach. to see. Yeah. Mike Rudenberg yeah. as well in there, obviously deserves credit. So uh, yeah, it, it's been cool to see that development. Uh, the Jets, these past few years. the Jets have never had a linebacker like him. I mean, they've had, and to be fair, like his style of linebacker, I guess is more of a new age thing, but they've had like the thumpers, the David Harris's Bart Scott's Mo Lewis, they haven't had a guy who has the speed that Quincy Williams has, the pass coverage ability that Quincy Williams has, coupled with you know the hit power. I mean, he's an all-around modern-day 21st century linebacker. I mean, there there aren't many of those guys around uh, in, in the league. And we've, I mean, how many times since you've been watch, watching Michael have the Jets been playing the Patriots and they call a little halfback wheel and the Jets have some linebacker who looks like he's running a five-second 40-yard dash and it's just right <laughs> over his head. 40-yard game. Neville Hewitt. Yeah, the Neville Hewitt. Like, yeah, let's let's rattle off some. I mean, David Harris towards the end of his career was was pretty damn slow. The Neville Hewitt's. Demario Davis before he became a good player somehow. Avery Williamson's. James I guess they drafted Davis. Darren Lee to kind of be that new age linebacker, but that didn't really work out. Um, Quincy has been unbelievable this year. I mean, top five player for the Jets this season. He's he is what they dreamed Darren Lee to be. That's exactly yes. what he looks like, kind of. <laughs> Well, I Darren Lee so, didn't really have the. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think this is like the idealistic right vision. Obviously, he didn't come close to playing like that. I'm not saying he did. Right. But this is like that new age linebacker. 
Yeah, I, but and also shout out to Will McDonald for that little spin move at the end to free him up. I think I think Will McDonald deserves a few more reps. They deactivated Carl Lawson in this game, so it seems like either Lawson or Woods is going to be inactive depending on the matchup. Um, there's there's a there, there's a few places we could go here next because uh, I mentioned the inactives and that kind of wants I kind of want to go to Dalvin Cook next, but let's stick with the defense. Like we're on the defense, we could just kind of hit. Let's a, stick with the defense. defensive points. Let's, yeah, let's stick with the, the defense. Thank you for keeping. I mean, me quick, on track quick here. Bryce Huff thing. Like, let's address that real quick. I mean, they're finally getting it right with Bryce Huff because yeah. he was too good last year to play just passing downs, and I get that it worked. You know, he was well rested. He didn't have to think about the run, and that contributed to him performing as well as he did. But it still doesn't fully explain him being that dominant to the point where you know his pressure rates and all that were at last year. He's just that good. He should be playing more reps throughout the game. Like even if he's not the greatest run defender of all time, he's not so bad to where it's like, do not put that guy in the field for a run play. No, and in this game, good. <laughs> and last week, like we, we've seen why it's okay to do that. He had that huge sack on a first down play in this game. That's a play that doesn't happen before last week because he would never be on the field on first down, but he's playing more early down reps last week. He played his highest snap rate between his last two seasons. It was 39%. Then they played more. He played more this week. He was up to 44%. Um, more than half of his snaps were on first and second down, which again shows you they're trying to get him on the field more by putting him out there, even if it's not an obvious passing situation. And He's rewarding them. He had seven pressures last game against the Chiefs. That was his career high. Then he had eight this week, beating his career high again. So he's showing you that with a higher count of snaps, with you know, bigger, a bigger role, he's able to maintain that efficiency. So he's not just a small role guy who's going to play five snaps a game and he's efficient because he's rested. He can play more snaps and still be just as dominant and just extrapolate that production over more reps. So it's been really cool to see Bryce Huff fully unleash these past two games, just constantly causing havoc and seeing 47 out there on a more consistent basis, not just on the money downs has been a big boost these past two games. So credit them to them for that, but keep it going. Keep it going. He was at 44% this game. I don't see any reason he can't continue climbing higher than that. Yeah. And I'd like to see, I'd like to see a little bit more Will McDonald. I think he's just a guy who needs a little bit more reps because yeah. that spin move is, is lethal. He's a guy that's going to have to add on some, some weight and some size in the off season. And I think he has a, a better year next year, but McDonald is, can be that, that Bryce Huff role from last year. Just that true pass rusher doesn't play anything else except third downs. They're getting him in there a little bit, but I'd like to see a little bit more, a little bit more Will McDonald. Uh, last thing I hear one more crazy Bryce Huff stat, one more crazy Bryce Huff yeah, stat. Hit me. So I'm he's 60th in pass rush snaps among edge rushers this year. Okay. He's at 87. So 59 edge rushers have played more pass rush snaps than him, but he's seventh in pressures among <laughs> edge rushers with the 60th most pass rush, 60th most pass rush snaps. That's absurd. There we go. That's that's absurd. tough, tough sounds there, but yeah, yeah, totally absurd. He's got the highest pressure rate among edge rushers, 29%. So he's on another level right now. And another guy who deserves credit in this game, Jermaine Johnson finally made some pass rush noise. Uh, he, this was his best pass rushing game. He had a bull rush for a really good sack. Then the, uh, the strip sack he had from behind, that was a sneaky important play because uh, Corlin Sutton was wide open on a little scramble drill. He was able to separate and Russell Wilson was going to hit him for the first down. I think it was third and 14, but JJ chased it from behind, got that strip sack and, that play exemplifies what he's always going to bring you in the passing game. Even if he's not the greatest win rate guy or pressure guy, just the hustle that he brings and the speed and the length, he's going to be able to make those types of plays that other guys wouldn't be able to make. He's always going to bring that chase down ability. So it's a nice skill he brings to the table. Um, so JJ in this game really liked his performance. Uh, last thing, because just because you were talking about Bryce Huff, I, I realized I had one more thing to say on Quincy Williams that is impressive. Is um, And I think this is a, a credit to his conditioning because you think about mile high, that altitude, guys get tired, they're out there, last drive of the game. The fact that he still looked that explosive at the end of a game in that altitude is just a credit to the crazy work that he's put in and the shape that he's in because you just think about all the other players in that field looked gassed, and yet Quincy Williams is flying around faster than anybody, offense or defense. So I just think that's – Something to, something to note just in terms of his the work that he's put in. And the other thing that I think deserves a lot of credit is the secondary because there were a number of plays where the defensive line didn't really win that fast. 
Maybe the Broncos went max protect. Maybe they were just weren't winning their matchups. But Wilson was forced to hold onto the ball for three, four, five seconds. And that's on coverage. I mean, that's on Sauce Gardner, who I think had yeah. an unbelievable game. Uh, like you said, Tony Adams bounced back in the second half. I think the safeties are all right. But Bryce Hall deserves a ton of credit for coming in. You know, I'm ashamed to say that I thought the Jets might cut him in training camp just because he kind of felt like one of those guys that might be in the doghouse um, starter in 2021. We thought he, he played all right. And then benched last – or, you know, not benched, more so they just – Got brought DJ Reed in, drafted Sauce Gardner. He's an afterthought. He seems like Eccles even passed him on the depth chart, but he played awesome. I mean, not even just the the scoop and score touchdown, but he was not a liability in coverage, which is, I think, the biggest fear we had when DJ Reed was out. So what did you kind of make of the secondary? Then we'll hop into the offense, but last part of the defense. Another Sauce Gardner masterclass? Yeah, I think it can definitely go down as another – Feather in his cap, another classic performance. In a way, that was less flashy than some of the games he had last year. But um, if you look at the film on the back end, there were a lot of plays where Sauce, and not just him, but really the whole secondary, was allowing the pressure to get home because they were clamping down. Like The, the pass rush had good moments in this game, but there were plenty of sacks and hits, even the safety that Al Woods got, which you know we, we got to give a shout-out to Al Woods because I come on here every week and say – he can't do anything in the passing game, and he gets a safety in this game. So coverage safety. Credit to him for that, but it was a coverage safety. And honestly, Wilson should have checked it down. There was a check down right in front of him. But the back end coverage, uh, I think Sauce had a one-on-one with Judy, and then Hall and Whitehead were bracketing Sutton, if I have that right. But uh, the back end coverage was really good on that. And a lot of the third down plays, great coverage across the board. The linebackers, too, Mosley and Quincy were, in this game, doing a really good job of like when they had to cover, cover the flat or a tight end on a sit or something like that, they were on point denying throws for Russell Wilson. So coverage was really good in this game. And I think honestly, they, it would probably outplayed the pass rush because it teed up a lot of those pass, pass rush plays that we saw by first covering well and buying time for the pass rush. So really good job, you know, with Bryce Hall filling in there, we've said that, you know, he's a good depth piece and an ideal guy to have it as your first outside corner coming in. And I think in this game, he, he really showed that it was a, it was a solid performance for him. All right, let's talk about the offense. Let's start with Zach Wilson. To me, Michael, this was like the epitome of 2010 Sanchez, which is what we've been asking for. Yeah, it's a good comment. You brought that up before he started recording. I think that is a really good way to put it. Dominant defense. They ran for like 230 yards on the ground. And Sanchez would manage the game, and then he'd make a few key throws. People forget Sanchez had some some nice throws in some key spots, not just in the playoffs, but like big third-down throws. And that's what you saw from Zach Wilson. Did a nice job managing the game, made some big plays. Jets ran the ball well, played great defense. This is definitely – you can't argue that Zach Wilson has improved. Is he uh, amazing? No. Was this a, a great game? No, but this is a good game, and this is what we wanted from Zach. We've said it from the beginning. If if Zach can give the Jets 20th-ranked quarterback play, the Jets can make the playoffs with the talent on this team. And I think he, you know, he gives he, – today, he or yesterday, he gave him about league average quarterback play. He's got the scrambling upside. He can make some, some wow throws with his arm. But clearly, he's taken some steps in terms of his mechanics. The accuracy has been much better. In terms of his internal clock, he's getting the ball out fast. He's getting to his checkdowns. And in terms of the mental, seems like he has a better idea pre-snap where to go with the ball. It seems like he's a better fit with Hackett. Like he doesn't seem as overwhelmed on game days. Part of that's maybe just being a veteran, but also like they said that in the broadcast that he said that you know last week against the Chiefs, that was the first time he ever felt a, a coach that in the NFL that believed in him, which is quite the indictment on Michael Floor. But you know, obviously things didn't go as planned the first two years. Zach Wilson was probably the worst quarterback in the league the last two years, but it's not debatable that he's shown clear signs of improvement. Were there some plays on the left in the field? There were a couple, you know, was it perfect? No, but it was damn good. It was one of his better games. He made some big throws and some big spots and he steered the jets to victory. So what more can you ask for? Um, overall, what did you make of, of Zach's performance against Denver? I thought this was a nice way to follow up the chiefs game. I, Obviously, I don't think anyone will argue it was quite on that level because, you know, it was a different game plan, game flow. Last week, I think they really counted on him to carry them, and he was able to do that, and it was the first time it really felt like he has has done that in the NFL. This game was different. 
run game was outstanding, so they leaned on that and kind of put Zach on the back seat. So he didn't have to carry them as much, make as many wild throws. But when they did count on him, he, for the most part, really delivered. And this is right up there as one of his most efficient performances, I would say, in the league. Chiefs, a little more wow. That was consistent as well. But um, there's a little more wow to that. This one. Oh, my God. Just consistency. Oh, my God. What? Torn Achilles for AVT. Oh, my God. Uh, Thanks, Ian Rappaport, for the optimism. Damn, we were just – we were so high on the podcast. And then he walked off the field with a torn Achilles like that. Let me delete that tweet I had where I was like, I don't think this is a torn Achilles. God. Who reported it? Rappaport. I'm not seeing it on the – Rappaport. Oh, he blocked me. He, he got blocked by Rappaport. <laughs> Delete tweet. Oh yes. my god. Oh, well, that puts a stinker on the pod. All right, we'll come back to Zach. Oh my and so, yeah, let's go. Let's just just to carry on with what we're. We'll go back to Zach in a second. All the optimism in this podcast is ruined. Um, ABT, first reaction. I mean, back-to-back brutal season-ending injuries in Denver. Wow, I gotta—I guess I'll leave the intro the way what way it is. But I was like, wow, the Jets finally had a game, a win, where they make it out without a catastrophic injury. I guess him and Rogers can rehab. Can we get AVT in the speed bridge? I just feel so bad for him. I mean, the same way—the uh, polar opposite of Brees going back there and getting that redemption, doing what he did. Now AVT goes back and has another season-ending injury. I just feel terrible for him because, I mean, like he's such a promising player, legitimate all-pro upside, and second straight season-ending injury. This is tough. This is tough. There's no way around it. I mean, he was playing really good at right tackle. It felt like they had found their ideal offensive line combination finally. Um, and just the versatil- versatility he gives you, it, which help- that really helps you navigate the season because, you know, this guy gets hurt. AVT can play so many different roles for you, and you could mix and match and pick out what works best because of that versatility. But uh, you lose that flexibility now. It's a, it's a big hit. It's a big hit. There's really no other way to put it. I mean, I will say I think Max Mitchell came in and played pretty decently in this game. One of the better games he's probably played. I mean – he did a nice job in pass, bro. He was key on that touchdown run by Brees Hall. But, uh, yeah, no, no way he's sugarcoated. This hurts. But um, let's hope they've developed Max Mitchell uh, Man. up to this point. All right, well, he can join Rodgers in California on the rehab. That's brutal. Like you said, I feel bad for him as, as a player because he's so talented. And two years back-to-back where he's been playing at a top level at tackle and then he gets injured. I want to go back and watch the play that he got injured because I don't think it even looked like much. I can't believe he walked off the field. I mean, I guess some people just I, – I mean, Roger said he just kind of got drop foot, like he couldn't feel anything. And then, you know, but the way he was walking, it didn't look like an Achilles at all. Like he was moving the foot. That sucks, man. That really sucks. Like you said, Mitchell looked all right. If the uh, Jets have a game in Denver next year, do you just bench him for that game? <laughs> I hope they don't have a game in Denver. Jesus. <laughs> Man, they just got two wins and two torn Achilles and then three losses. That's the Jets season so far. Are you fucking kidding me? Who are their best players? At least Joe Tittman's. We've yet to have a win where someone didn't have a season-ending Achilles injury. That's just great. (sighs) At least Joe Tittman has been. Either a loss or a win with a loss. So basically 0-4. Just terrible. A lot of – this is great pod. I mean, the silence is – appropriate right now yeah this we're just digesting reaction. it i really didn't think probably how you reacted I... when you listened to this so i saw that man that's that tough. Like, that's oh my god they even said they were like there's optimism it's not an achilles normally they know entering the, the great MRI. reporting rap sheet i'm glad you blocked me i don't want to see your terrible tweets there's optimism uh, why don't you shut up until the news is out blocked there? from i blocked from because i kept replying when he would make stupid pointless quote tweets like he just <laughs> put an eye emoji quote tweet on something i'd say like thank you so much for that that really added so much to this conversation nice. i did that a ton sassy of michael nania obviously he's a sensitive <sighs> man so well um 
I mean, the O-line played all right without him still, but Denver's front seven sucks, so the true test will come next week against the Eagles. That really fucking blows to lose AVT. But, hey, they still got Becton. They got Joe Tittman. Those are the two studs. Mitchell will see if he can develop into into one, and then Max, Max Mitchell's gonna have to block the Eagles front seven. Oh my god! Mitchell was all right last. Let's hope for the best. He like I said, he did okay, but you know Jonathan Cooper and whoever else the Broncos have, not quite the Eagles. All right, back to Zach. Let's try to be positive. Let's finish this podcast out on a positive note. Let's talk about Zach Wilson a little bit more. I think the other thing that's really stood out to me. I wonder how much weight he's added. This is so hard to go back into like just regular podcasting, but okay. I wonder how much weight he's added since his rookie year because he obviously looks bigger, but he's taken some freaking shots this year and he gets up. So I think his toughness deserves a little shout out because every game it seems like he's just getting thrown to the ground or rocked and he pops back up. So I think that's a credit to his resiliency. And like you said, you know, they didn't really, it was a different game plan. They didn't throw as much on first down. I mean, they did a little bit that really nice play action throw on a crosser to, to Garrett Wilson in the fourth quarter. Um, but the front seven is really the weakness of this of this Broncos defense, and they took full advantage of it running the football. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's so hard to go back into the podcasting. But what do you make – I know we just talked on Zach, but any, any other thoughts on Zach and maybe just the offense as a whole, how they, how they called this game? I saw you were getting frustrated that they weren't calling as many play-action passes yeah. on first down. It was frustrating. I think it cost some points in this game because, like, the run game was great, but I think, like, you already come into games with Zach Wilson with teams, you know, saying, hey, go ahead and beat us. We're going to stack the box and play some aggressive coverage. And then you run the ball well on top of that, which in most games hasn't happened. But in this game, they were able to do that. So you have all this stuff going for you that you can pass the ball well first down. And when they did, it worked really well. Like, we got that... 30-yard throw to Garrett Wilson in the second half off play action. And overall, these were the first down numbers for Zach Wilson. 8 of 10 for 78 yards, two scrambles for 17 yards, and he got sacked once, but it was only a two-yard loss. So he averaged 7.2 yards per play on first down. So I really would have liked them for them to have called more play action passes on first down because they were they would have had some opportunities to hit you know, a big-time throw over the top to where they could have scored a deep touchdown and not had to deal with the red zone. There were, I think, especially in those like edge of red zone plays or like 10 yard, 10 yard away area, they would run the ball after run their, their way down the field. They would run the ball there. And then it would run out at that point and the defense would clamp down on the run. Then it was third and long. Then they would pass. And oftentimes no one was open in the red zone. So I think they were a little, too lenient on that run game because I think Zach played well and showed you that you could trust him to throw if you needed to. This wasn't like last year's Broncos game or those games um, at points last year where it was like, you know, he's not showing you enough to where you would trust him to throw it. He did play well in this game. So would have liked to have seen that. And I would, even if they continue running the ball this way going forward, I think they should be more aggressive with that first down play action passing to potentially get some of those shots. So you can hit those home runs and not always have to, you know, play red zone offense. But looking at the red zone, there were some plays that you and I saw that maybe Zach had opportunities. Some of them were plays where, like, you don't blame him for not getting it, but it would have been a great play if he could, like, you know, he is reading Garrett Wilson on a drag and Conklin has a busted coverage and he's wide open. He throws it to Garrett. Maybe could have seen Conklin. You don't kill him for it, but it's an opportunity missed. There were some plays yeah, like that. Yeah, would have been his third read. Yeah, so there's some. I think that's like the difference between Zach Wilson and what we want him to be, which is, you know, what what did we say, 20th to 24th quarterback? Yeah. That level of quarterback play. And an Aaron Rodgers who is able to see the entire field and make crazy plays like that where that's outside the structure of the read, but he's capitalizing on it because he's that, you know, good with his eyes and vision. So there were some plays like that that I think led to field goals instead of touchdowns. Uh, there was the throw to Garrett Wilson that was you know, not the most ideal, but it wasn't wasn't the most open throw in the world. The one on the left back corner of the end zone uh, that he missed a little bit. Um, are there are there any other plays that come to mind that he missed? He had the screen where he fumbled the ball. Oh yeah, where it's like he should have just thrown it to Carter. Yeah, yeah. he had a few fumbles that luckily the Jets yeah, a couple fell of fumbles. So the ball security too. Luckily they kept both of them, but. Both of those fumbles, he held the ball a little bit too much. The interception, I think you and I both agree. As yeah. far as interceptions go, that's on the very low 
spectrum. Like that was the right read. Um, he had a one-on-one with Garrett Wilson. Yes, yeah. it was Patrick Sertan, but no one, no one else was open there. And third down, shoot your shot with your best player. That's what we always ask for. Um, not the greatest throw, not the Put greatest. On the wrong shoulder. You definitely want that. Yeah, you want that on the other shoulder, a little bit higher. Um, so not the greatest, but it was catchable. I think Garrett Wilson has made tougher catches than that before. It did end up going through his hands. And either way, that's not a, a ball that gets intercepted very often. It was a ridiculous catch. He grabbed it in his legs, and it, again, went through Garrett Wilson. So not really an interception-worthy throw, even though it ended up that way. It was kind of just a bad break, but uh, more just a you know not ideal throw. So I don't blame him too much for that one. But overall, I think the biggest thing you could say at this point, now having these last two games, I don't know if I would have praised him as much for it after the Patriots. Although I, I, I think this one thing you can still have said, you still could have said after the Patriots game, and now it's only been further – proven with these last two games his accuracy this season has been much better yeah there are other things that you know still a little inconsistent he can improve on like some of the things we just mentioned but pure accuracy way better those missed layups are gone he's not missing screens anymore throws in the flat these easy throws he's making those like and and you and i were talking about it when you're watching through some of the film like there are routine plays he makes whether it's a check down or just little throw to the flat or whatever and like it's become routine now, but when you go back to the way he was playing the first two seasons, you realize how much progress that is for him because things like that were so difficult for him. Not even just check downs, like little first down throw, like six yard, seven yard throws. Yeah, like little second. out like, routes with like yeah. a five yard out or like a slant that he would throw over a guy's head. So like routine throws are routine for him now. He like can he play quarterback now. Them. And I think there are more big time throws in there too, because yes. like he had some highlights throughout his career, but they were, pretty rare like there wasn't a huge zach wilson highlight reel but now you look at these past few games this year yeah the play action to garrett the touch on that throwing that out was tremendous the laser um, to Conklin. he had multiple out route throws the laser to conklin that was just outside the reach of the linebacker and he went through multiple progressions on that play it is funny uh, and the, we were talking about this though like the yeah. the margin of error is so small between that right. being what a throw by zach wilson and then that yeah. getting picked off and being what what a disaster this guy sucks and there's a number of plays like that throughout everybody's career, but specifically his. And normally it goes the other way, but it is just funny to think about like just it's the inch. It's literally, I mean, what, like a foot outside of that linebacker's hands? Yeah. yeah I mean, that's, I, that's like the, the margin that I think a guy like Zach Wilson has the ability to, you know, come out on the better end of if he's confident because he has that arm strength. So when he's slinging it with rhythm and confidence, I think you could see some of the throws like we saw in this game, but then you look at his down moments when you get that hesitancy, then that's when I think that margin gets closed and it ends up as an interception instead of a tight window completion. But I think we're seeing a, a more confident guy right now. And you know, I, I just want to give him so much credit for these last two games because like I was burying him two weeks ago and I think it was deserved. I, the Patriots game was bad and I'll stand by it, stand by it. But um, you know, he's his back was against the wall going into that Chiefs game. Simeon was coming in. I said Simeon's better than him. Simeon's not and doing this. I don't think Simeon – he definitely doesn't have that Chiefs game, and I don't think he has this game either with some of the throws Zach Wilson was making in big spots. So all the credit to him. He's still got to keep it going. It's only two games. He could, to use your expression, turn into a pumpkin this week <laughs> against the Eagles. Um, he could go right back down to earth. It's only two games. Got to keep it going. But he, he's played well these last two games. He's showing legitimate strides. Uh, that you can notice throughout the course of the season. And he, he's trying to get in a good direction. Just got to keep it going for me to, to fully buy into it. Yeah, the, the, the big impact of the ABT injury, obviously, you know, could affect the run game for sure because he's so good in the run game. But, you I know, they do tip him that. for, I got into my Zach Wilson thing. I forgot about it. But we the had, run, we had oh, the ABT injury. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, well, the only reason I was going to say is because one of the, the big improvements is that he's actually had an offensive line that he's trusted so far. And look, Max Mitchell did a nice job. I mean, Denver's front seven and pass rushers suck, so it's not the biggest test in the world, but he did hold up. Um, but Zach Wilson's trusted his offensive line, and he's kept his eyes down the field, and he hasn't looked to scramble within one second. And that's the big impact that you could see if Mitchell turns into a turnstile. They should get Dwayne Brown back at some point. You know, I forgot about him even existing, but you know, I don't even know if I'd want to move Becton from left tackle. I don't know. That's a conversation for another day. I guess the hope now is that Max Mitchell truly develops. But with Zach Wilson – the thing is that's evident. His confidence has definitely grown. 
I noticed him after the it was like the post game or post practice press conference on on Wednesday, and he was talking, and he just seemed like a totally different guy. And then you hear in the the broadcast that he went like nineteen of twenty in practice on Wednesday, and like not that practice stats mean that much, but he's clearly clicking. Like I think he's starting to hit a different gear, and I don't know how far that's going to take him or what that necessarily means, but his confidence is rolling. And I think a game like this against Denver, where he follows up the best performance of his career with a capable performance where he plays quarterback like an adult and the jets win and he makes some throws. That's just going to continue to build his confidence. He's, he's starting to feel like, okay, I can do this. I'm an NFL quarterback. Yeah. It's year three. We're babying him. Sure. But I think this type of game was, was big for his confidence and the offense's confidence as a whole, because I think they haven't really been able to run the football like they, they've wanted to in this game. They definitely were able to again, bad Denver front seven, but still I like how they mixed in some man gap stuff. I mean, you saw that on that Brees Hall massive touchdown run which shout out max mitchell he had a great block on that shout out joe tippman with yep. the massive pancake yep um so they'll still be able to to you know the avt injury sucks but they'll still be able to run the football um my concern is just you know if max mitchell's a turnstile and zach wilson starts to take his eyes off you know downfield and starts looking at the rush and that's that's the nightmare but i think mitchell showed in that second half he showed some promise just have to buy into that. Um, where, what else do you want to talk about here? I guess last time would be, you know, oh, you know who else deserves a uh, shout out? Oh, I we do have a big topic to talk about, but uh, you know who deserves a shout out? Alan Lazard. Greg, Greg Zerline. Greg Zerline. Greg the third leg has been awesome, but Alan Lazard, uh, great Robin. You were also, we were kind of talking about this. Like, is he a good second option? And maybe. You know, if they have a, a better slot option than Randall Cobb, we'll see about Xavier Gibson. We'll get to McCall Harbin next. It could, you know, it would help this offense even more. But Lazard, you know, he does all the dirty work in terms of the blocking, the rub routes, clear out routes. He's a great jump ball guy. He seems like he's been great for Zach's confidence. I'd like to see him unleash in the red zone a little bit. But I just think Lazard deserves a, a bit of a shout out because I think that he's been an awesome addition to this Jets offense. He's the type of piece you you want a big six five guy who can do all that dirty work and He's helped a lot on those screens. The The receiver blocking has been a lot better. So I think he's been an up, upgrade over Corey Davis. Um, I seriously wonder what this offense would have looked like if Corey stayed and Rogers got hurt, like what the distribution of snaps would have been. But uh, overall, I think Lazard deserves a shout out. Before we get to Harbin, the other thing I wanted to talk about, what do you think of the red zone play calling? Because they did kind of, it did seem like there was – like last week, like you said, they put it on Zach's shoulders to win that game. This game, they did feel like they reverted a little bit into don't make the mistake, Zach, which I get. Denver's the worst team. They were able to run the football all over Denver. Their defense was dominating Denver in the second half. So I get the thought process, especially when they started to play with the lead. It's like, let's just keep getting points. Let's get that eight-point lead. But what did you make of some of the conservative red zone play calling? Because there were times where it felt like the Jets could have tried to push for, for six, but instead they were settling for let's just run the ball and get three points here. No, I, I didn't like it. I mean, like like we said, I think it, the way they were able to run down the field was great, but there were multiple times when they got down either into the red zone or, again, like around that 10, 15-yard area where it was like, okay, this is the perfect time to call play action, throw the ball over their head for a touchdown. Um, but they overdid it with the running a few times, and it caught up to them, and they got themselves into third and longs. Even, even a few times like, okay, if you want to try a first down run, and then go pass and second down, you could do that. But there were multiple times where they did run, run, pass, you know, with two straight runs, despite a first down run not working. Uh, so overdid it, and I, I was surprised to see that after how confident they were last week in Wilson at many points. Maybe trailing in that game contributed to that, you know, trailing 17 nothing. But um, and, and obviously this game, different score situation, so that definitely could have played into it. But I don't think it should. I think, and, and maybe now it'll change that he's at two solid games in a row. Uh, he's showing you that you can trust him to throw on first down, on second down, in, in any situation, and, you know, have a balanced offense. So would like to see more first down passing. But I, I will say, though, there are, there are some things from a creativity standpoint that Hackett deserves a lot of credit for in this game. A lot more pre-snap motion, that's for sure. Uh, Gibson played more snaps. He was motioning a lot. Garrett Wilson motioned a lot. They motioned on the play where – Brees Hall scored, and it was a huge part of making that score happen uh, because the the movement that's created by the motion, Brees Hall ended up running straight through that. Um, so it helped the run game. It contributed uh, on the, the big pass that Garrett Wilson caught, the 30-yard or so pass. He was in motion on that play. So 
getting pre-snap motion in, that was great. The run game, there was some creativity to that. We saw um, you and I were looking at it before we started uh, recording this, but not just outside zone. There was some gap and power stuff in there, some misdirection, some cool stuff in the run game. So uh, there, there was a lot of good stuff going on. Even like when they did throw the ball, we saw play action. We saw getting Wilson on the move. We saw various different things that were working well. I just would like to see them trust him more on those early downs. And I think if they did that, they could have had a, a bigger game in terms of finishing some of these drives because they did put up over 400 yards, but a lot, a lot of field goal drives. So got to punch it in. And I think they could do that by not just being better in the red zone, but hitting some big plays to uh, you know maybe not even have to get into the red zone if they can hit those big plays through the air. Let's talk about Hardman because that was a pre-game situation yeah. people were very upset about. Um, I think this situation is getting overblown a little bit. I do think Hardman is a solid player. He obviously brings speed. I would rather see him than Randall Cobb, absolutely. Although I will say it does seem like Hardman is kind of their Garrett Wilson insurance. Every time he's been out there, a lot of times he's playing outside. He's not really getting that, that many slot reps. I mean, he's not getting that many reps at all. But I think Gibson has supplanted him on the depth chart in terms of like backup slot receiver. And Hardman at this point is if Garrett goes down, that's their guy. And I think they could find a role from him for him. You know, Cobb, talking about Lazard doing the dirty work, Cobb's entire role is just doing dirty work, clear out routes, blocking, et cetera. Veteran presence. Uh, I think it's getting overblown a little bit. I mean, he's getting played $4 million, and we're acting like the Jets are benching, like, Tyreek Hill or something. Like, every team has a fourth receiver that they're paying five, six, seven million million. It just doesn't play that much. He's getting paid $4 million. I mean, Dalvin Cook's basically getting paid 2x that. And I think he's a good player. The only reason he's inactive today is not because because people are trying to run like there must be something going on behind the scenes. I don't think there is. I think, first of all, Rodgers went down, the whole offense changed. He's getting paid $4 million. Gibson supplanted him on the depth chart. Week one, you have to start giving that rookie reps, just given the offseason that he's had. I think that uh, this inactive was mainly just due to injuries and needing special team help. I mean, they activated Irvin Charles. You saw what he did on the on the first punt of the game. Uh, and he'll get his opportunity towards the end of the season. I mean, it could come sooner rather than later, but injuries will hit. He'll get an opportunity. I agree that they should try to find a role for him, try to get him some of those snaps, but it, Gibson is the guy that they want to give those jet sweeps to, those receiver screens to. I understand Hardman has that game-breaking speed, but so does Gibson. I mean, watch Gibson on that on that Brees Hall touchdown run. He's right there with him. Um, so kind of what do you make of, of the Hardman situation? I feel like the media is kind of overblowing it. I mean, that's what the New York media is always going to do. They're going to sensationalize everything. When things are good, things are amazing. When things are bad, things are horrific. They try to find little storylines, things to drama, to make – what dramatize there we go dramatize um, thank you um and Harbin's situation just seems like that like he'll he'll play but he's a backup right now so what, what do you kind of make of that i mean i feel like i've contributed to that i kind of criticized it every single week including this week um i mean i do think there is a degree of you know maybe he didn't grasp the playbook or fit the scheme as well as they thought something going on that they don't feel like telling us that is contributing to it because i mean i the contract they gave him isn't it's small, but it isn't nothing. And it did. And they were even talking him up above what he was probably, you know, what he's actually his actual level of play because Robert Siles saying we want to expand the route tree and all that stuff. So they were already talking him up more. So I think even in relation to that, it's surprising. But I mean, what I've kind of come to see it as is I think they've, seen Xavier Gibson kind of develop into what they're planning to do with him, you know, because they didn't anticipate an undrafted free agent breaking out like that. But obviously they've been impressed with him to the point where I think he's kind of filling a lot of the roles that they figured Hardman would. So it, it that's how I think I see it. Gibson kind of developing into that role. Still think Hardman could do more than Cobb can because I know he's a veteran, dirty work, whatever, but I mean, he, he doesn't catch the ball. He doesn't, he doesn't do anything. So I, I think Hardman in those sort of roles can be more effective because he has the speed to just change the way the defense plays you. Because you see Cobb on the field, it doesn't change anything about the way you call a defense. You're comfortable manning him up. Um, you're comfortable doing whatever you want because there's, no specific aspect of Randall Cobb's game that I have to game plan for, but McCall Hardman 
for all his faults, has speed that you have to account for. And I think it changes the way that you play defense. So I, I still think there are snaps to be given to him. But at this point, I think I'm okay just realizing, all right, I think Gibson kind of developed into what we were picturing Hardman to be. And that's okay. It's not the Hardman doesn't have the biggest contract in the world. So I don't think it's the biggest deal at this point necessarily, but I think there's still value to be had with him. Yeah. People are like upset about they're like, there's a waste of cat. It's like he's getting paid $4 million in depth. at receiver is never a bad thing. Like just wait for somebody to get hurt. And then you're going to be thankful. You have a guy like that. Like you said, it's just Gibson's outplayed him. And like Cobb is a favorite of Hackett. He's uh, does a lot of the dirty work. I would like, I would rather see Hardman in that role, but it's just a numbers game for him being inactive. And then Gibson's out, outperformed him so far, but he's going to get an opportunity and people upset about the $4 million on a guy like Hardman, who is great and sure have just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, also quickly, I, I would comment yeah. on what you said about Lazard. I, I agree with you. I really like how Lazard has played this year. It feels like he comes through every time that he's targeted. He's made some really good catches. Contested catches, a few, a few drops, the, the a couple, but you know he had the toe tapping out catch on the out route on the, yeah, the drive nice. that they eventually botched, and that's another thing we should throw in with the Zach Wilson review. Obviously, yeah, that that's was the worst play. Excusable, whether that's him or someone else didn't do their job, it falls on him ultimately. So that that's a negative as well to throw in for Zach Wilson. But yeah, I, I like how Lazard has played. He's been what I hoped he would be, which is a guy who doesn't get a huge volume of targets, but when he does get targeted. He comes through with big plays, and he's done that so far. Right now, he's averaging 10.1 yards a target, which is great. It's the best of his career to this point. So uh, he's done that, and then his blocking is outstanding. Just screen game, run game. He does a lot of different yeah. things well, even if it's just you know, a, you know, scramble play like that uh, Conklin play. Lazard got involved in that. So he, his blocking is all over is making impact all over the field, and uh, he's he's coming through with, with the catches. I, I still think. You know, it would be good to have a number two receiver next to Garrett Wilson who could win more because, you know, Lazard isn't a big time separator. Like, and, and there are some plays where you see Gibson. Yeah, Gibson. Yeah, I think I think Gibson has the potential to be that guy. So we'll, we'll see as his snaps go up e- each week. So there are some plays where you see like, okay, maybe having Lazard on the field for 95% of the snaps isn't the greatest because there are some times where you would like a number two guy who can win because – He's not a huge route winner. Uh, there are some plays where he gets clamped, but uh, he, he's made a lot of big plays and come through when he's targeted, which is what I like. I'm reading that. ABT played another play after tearing his Achilles. Jeez, that's absurd. Wow. Um, <sighs> last thing. Last right, thing before we get out of here. Last thing before we get out of here. He'll come back strong. Yeah, he gets rehab with Rodgers. Uh, maybe he'll be back for playoffs. Um, last thing. Uh, special teams. We always forget about special teams in this podcast, but how could we? We've had Hennessy, Morstead. We're just waiting for Greg. We, get, we can give them their flowers. I think we credit Morstead. Morstead is the best puncher the Jets have had in my lifetime. We're the only podcast that had a punter and a long snapper on. We're get, waiting for the kicker. We're going to get the kicker on. Morstead's actually going to be back on this season at some point. Uh, well, he's been awesome. I, I said it when we brought him on that – Morstead is going to directly lead to some safeties this year because he's going to pin teams back inside the five, and then the Jets have that pass rush, and they're going to get after it. Lo and behold, it happens. So Morstead's been off awesome. Irvin Charles deserves a lot of credit for that. Gibson muffing the punt was blah, but he was looking into the sun. Whatever. Don't make it a habit. fumbled punt as well. Oh, and he so fumbled the punt too, yes. Back-to-back fumbles for Gibson, so got to clean that up. And then Zerline's been automatic. So I just wanted to shout out the special teams as they've been – They've been awesome this season. Um, I also it's been great, just especially the pin punts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll do the plugs. If you have anything else, we'll spit it out. But you can follow us at TYJPod on Twitter, Michael, Michael underscore Nanny, and myself, Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com, best place to go for Jets content. Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, helps out the pod a ton. Uh, subscribe to some of the other Jets X Factor pods. I'm off my game. I'm trying to th- subscribe to Jets X Factor YouTube. I think that's it. Michael, last thoughts. Uh, well, that's definitely a bummer to throw on top of this win. I know. I, mean, I just can't, can't catch a break. What more can you say than that? Can't catch that's a break. Tough. That's tough. That, but, I mean, that's football. Got to fight. Got to step up. Next man up. Get him Let's back go. with Rodgers next year. 
Go beat yeah. the Eagles. Go beat the Eagles. Oh, All right, do. yeah, we'll, we'll do our uh, pregame pod. That'll be off Friday. I know we were we had some people who were upset we didn't get the pregame pod out until Saturday. Apologies for that. We'll get that out Friday. Uh, talking the Eagles game, a big game, a big chance for the Jets to steal an upset. You know, I'm all I'm very upset about that Pats loss because that's a game the Jets definitely should have won. They should be three and two. But hey, you lose a game, you should win. You make up for it by winning a game, you should lose. They have an opportunity to do that at home against the Eagles next week, a team they've never beaten. So previewing that pod or previewing that game, that'll come out on Friday. But yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Have a great week. Victory Monday. Avi injury sucks, but hey, a win is a win. Thank you everybody for listening. Have a great week. Go Jets.